Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Job, as you heard a few moments ago. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when you think about the story of Job, you probably think about suffering. All the suffering that Job went through. Everything that he had to endure because God allowed it to happen. You heard about some of it today. Job's children and their families. All the livestock. So many things that God had blessed him with. Gone. In one day. With servant after servant after servant after servant delivering this bad news. Do you know what we're not going to talk about today? Suffering. suffering. Come back next week. We'll talk about suffering. But I don't, think about, I don't think we can talk about the story of Job without starting with the story of Job and acknowledging the fact that Satan, Satan, of all people, is able to enter into God's presence where the angels are. Which, I mean, doesn't exactly say it, but maybe we can take it that this is heaven. Now, of course, we know that there was a time where Satan was in heaven, was kicked out with all the other rebellious angels. Imagine that this is a place where he once made his home, and that God does allow him access there. And this is the story of Job. And this is the only story of Job that where we see this actually happen. But I mean, you can picture it, right? It's like you have a a meeting of, of people who are a part of your inner circle, if you will. And, and there's that one guy that walks up to join, even though he hasn't received an invitation the exact opposite of the kind of person you want in your inner circle. Or it's like you're having a work meeting. Picture it, you're gathered around the table, and and the guy that was just fired sits down to join you. Or, you know, maybe you, you get together for band practice, and the guy who can't carry a tune just picks up a microphone. You can just imagine the, the looks on people's faces like, What is he doing? But here it is, right? Satan, the fallen angel himself, appears with God and the angels. And you'll notice that the only one who is asked about his business is Satan. Not one of the angels who are actually supposed to be there are asked. And God says, where have you come from? Almost like he's asking, what you been up to, Lucifer? As if God doesn't already know. And he's like, ah, you know, just wandering to and fro. Peter would describe this wandering to and fro as Satan prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Satan is on the hunt. 
on earth. And he's active. He is going up and down and all around this earth. He's not like he, some deer hunter just sitting up there in a deer stand waiting for a deer to walk by. Right? No, Satan is on the prowl. And God is going to serve up his servant Job. God says, well, have you checked out my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. You can imagine this description of Job. That Job was, like David, a man after God's own heart. Right? There was nothing that anybody had held against Job. Right? He was blameless. He was good. He was upright. He followed God's commands. He turned away from evil. And when he didn't turn away from evil... He would offer sacrifices, burnt offerings, sin offerings on behalf of himself and on behalf of his family, his children, in case they had sinned, in case they had cursed God. In this way, Job was acting like the priest of his family, offering sacrifices to God for forgiveness. So Job isn't perfect. He is a sinner even though there's no one on earth like him. And Satan responds with, Oh, that guy? Well, he's only following you because you're protecting him. Right? He's only following you because you bless him with so many things as long as he's obedient to you. I bet if you pull the wall down a little bit, stop blessing him, take it all away, he's going to curse you to your face. And God's like, Okay, have Adam. Take his family. Take his wealth. Take his livestock. Everything that's been given him. See what happens. Just don't touch the man himself. And Satan's like, that's easy money. He's probably recalling Adam and Eve and how easy they gave into sin, gave into temptation, to eat the fruit that God commanded them not to eat. And they were perfect, if you remember. Job wasn't perfect. And all he needs to do is get him to curse God. It's not so easy, though. And after all of Job's, li Job's livestock, all of his children are gone. Job doesn't curse God. He doesn't sin or charge God with wrong. He simply says, the Lord gave and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now maybe you can picture this story happening. But I don't want to talk about Job. You guys are all wearing name tags for a reason today. Because, you know, go ahead and look at it. In case you forgot. In case you forgot what your name is. Because I want to talk about you. I want you to picture yourself in Job's place. I want you to imagine God saying to Satan, Hey, have you checked out my servant Glenn? Well, you put your name in there. When you think about your life and how you've lived your life, would God describe you with the same words.
that there is no one like you on the earth, blameless and upright, who fears, loves, trusts in God above all things, turns away from evil. Is that what God would say about you? Will God look at you and say, here is my servant. Fill in your name there, right? Here is my servant. See all the good that they do in the world. See how they love their family, their spouse, their children, their parents. See how they share my good news of the gospel with the young and old of our hurting and troubled world. See how many things they volunteer for at church. How much time during the week they dedicate to me and my people. How they use the talents that I have blessed them with to serve the church within our world. Serving in things like greeting and reading and leading Bible studies, jam, counting the offering, leading music, doing all the technology stuff, serving on councils, serving on committees, bringing snacks, making coffee, washing the dishes, taking out the trash, shoveling the snow, introducing themselves to and welcoming visitors, helping someone in their vehicle in this icy weather, praying for those who are in need of prayer, visiting the sick, checking in on those who haven't been around lately, building up the body of Christ. And on top of that, do you see what they do with their finances? How much offering they give, trusting that I provide for all of their needs and they in return are very generous with their money towards me. See how good of a steward they have been with all that I have entrusted to them? See how faithful they are in coming to worship with open hearts and open minds to receive the gifts that I want to give them. See how faithful they are in bringing their children to hear the word. See how they come to the Lord's Supper in repentance with a clean heart, sorry for their sins, wanting to change their sinful ways. See how they come to the altar not holding anyone's sins against them, forgiving others just like I have forgiven them. See how good they are at following my will, my commands. Is that what God would say about you? And if then you were to go through the loss of all your possessions, all your children, God allowed it to be taken away would you come out of it and not sin? Would you come out of it and say, blessed be the name of the Lord? And when you get to the end of your life, do you think God is going to look at you and say, like he did in the gospel reading, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness for all eternity. What do you think? Because when I take a look at myself in the mirror, I don't see him saying that about me. I mean, you, some of you may be like Job. I certainly am not. I see God as saying that I am full of blame. There are plenty of people that I have done wrong to that can hold blame against me. I am not upright. I'm down left, or whatever the opposite of upright is. Immoral. 
I do not fear love and trust in God above all things. I do not turn away from evil. In fact, I turn towards evil. The devil doesn't have to prowl around like a roaring lion looking for me for too long, too far. I'm pretty easy to find. He can actually be like a hunter in a deer stand waiting for me to just walk by and fall into temptation because he has seen my tracks. He knows the things that I do over and over and over and over again. All these things that I give into. He knows my ways because he has been wandering the earth to and fro, up and down, and he knows me. He also knows that if I lost all of my stuff, all of my children, I would have a pretty hard time saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. I do not deserve to be told, well done, good and faithful servant. I deserve to be told, poor job, terrible and unfaithful servant. You do not deserve to share in my joy. You do not deserve to enter into paradise with me. You deserve nothing but eternal condemnation. You deserve hell. That's God's words for me. And that's the same for all of us as well. When we live our lives as poor stewards, when we curse God, when we are unfaithful to him, placing so many things as a higher priority, as higher importance, when we place our selfish and sinful desires above him, every single time we sin, we deserve death. And God would be just and right in giving us exactly that. Instead, he looks at us and he says, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to my son. But before he gets there, that son has to live just like us. He has to walk in our footsteps. He has to go through every temptation just like we do. Now, we don't get the interaction of God with Satan, but you can imagine God saying, Have you seen my servant, my son? There is none like him on the earth, blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. And so Satan tries to get him to sin, tempts him in the wilderness for 40 days, works through the Pharisees, through the disciples to try and bring Jesus down, getting those closest to him to betray him. Jesus overcoming every temptation of Satan and was without sin. Amidst all of that that he goes through, Jesus doesn't curse God and his life isn't taken away. Instead, he voluntarily lays down his life when he goes to the cross. And it's there on the cross that God pours out on Jesus everything that we deserve for our sins. Death, condemnation, hell. Jesus takes the pain, takes our death, our punishment, suffering hell for us. And he does it because he is the only good and faithful servant there is. Because he is the only one who lived 
perfectly. He is the only one who followed all of God's commands and did not sin. And he did it because he loves you. Because it was the only way to save you. The only way to give you forgiveness. The only way to give you life. Eternal life. Heaven. And his resurrection from the dead proves that he did accomplish salvation for us. His resurrection is the guarantee of our eternal life. Jesus Christ, true God and true man, is better than me for sure. He is better than Job. He's better than Eve and Adam. In fact, Jesus is the second Adam. Because as an Adam all sinned, so in Christ all are forgiven. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. We do deserve death. But Jesus dies in our place. And eternal life is the gift that he has given to us because of that. And he continues to give us his gifts, his blessings. He continues to give that to his people, and he does it through his church. He forgives and makes us alive through his death and resurrection. He forgives us and makes us alive through his word. And it's through the word that we receive faith by the power of the Holy Spirit to believe all of this. He forgives us and makes us alive through our baptism washing us with the water and the word, cleansing us from our sin, calling us as his dearly loved children. He forgives us and makes us alive through his supper. As he leads us in repentance, we lay our sins at the foot of the cross. The sins that we do know, the sins that we do not know that we do. And he cleanses us with his body and his blood as we eat and drink. He gives us faith. He gives us forgiveness, eternal life. And then by the Holy Spirit, he leads us into new life, a God-pleasing life. So that whatever comes our way, whether God gives or takes away, we can say, blessed be the name of the Lord. And it's not because of anything that we've done. It's not because of anything that you've done. It's all because of Jesus that you can serve. It's because of Jesus that you can be good. It's because of Jesus that you have faith. It's because of Jesus that you can be faithful. So that on the last day, when Jesus calls you home, he welcomes you with loving arms into heaven, he will say, have you seen my servant? Fill in your name there. Jesus will welcome you into heaven with loving arms and he will say to everybody who's there, have you seen my servant? He, she, is a good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.